Welcome to Launch Grow Harvest Podcast, Business Growth Coaching with Connie Buna and Roland Kim. Hi everyone, welcome to another podcast episode of Launch Grow Harvest with Roland Kim and Connie Buna. Connie Buna. Welcome everyone. Today we're going to talk to you about leverage and teams and uh I'm going to throw it over to you in a second here, Connie, and you're a leader in so many ways. You got family, band, brokerage, and whoever thought you'd be a leader of a team doing well over 200 real estate transactions a year. Exciting. Bringing you back to the early years, how do you get started when you want to build a team? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a it's an interesting question. And it's also I think it's a path that has a variety of angles and strategies, you know, for myself personally, I always in my real estate trajectory considered myself a great team member. I remember my first year in real estate approaching my managing broker at the time and and saying to him, like, do you know any realtors that are looking for for team members? And, you know, that would have been in like 2009, possibly wasn't a super common thing. Back then. You know, I had very little direction. And so that whole concept petered out. And I can remember early in our relationship, getting to know one another as as new agents, you talking, you always had such a, a vision of what you wanted to build and what you wanted to create. And I can remember thinking, and I can actually remember very candidly talking to you about what you were trying to build and saying, great, like I'm on board. I'm a great team member. And so I never saw myself as the person who would be leading that team. In my mind, I always just imagined, you know, I'm, I'm a good team player. And so I always saw myself in the team. And so I guess our evolution has been, you know, if I think about mapping it somewhat following the millionaire real estate agents growth plan, starting off as a solo agent, then getting your first hire being an assistant. And then we partnered, not part of the model. And and in that partnership, I think I really learned a lot from you on what it looked like to lead other people and lead an admin and and be clear that was a really, really intimidating step for me. And I think that I'm not unlike many other realtors where I was still living in a mindset in those early years of, you know, just making enough money monthly to keep myself going. And so I really didn't have a lot of future run. I didn't have have much in the pipeline and, and in the savings pool to keep me going. And so the idea of committing to a salary of another human really, really scared me. And what I've learned in reflection is it was probably one of the most important turning points in my career. It was when I really shifted my focus around the fact that I was running a business as opposed to just being an independent entrepreneur out there just looking for the next deal. Mm-hmm. And that mindset shift really opened up a whole world of opportunity as it relates to a team. Yeah. And I mean, I would go as far as to say our partnership as a team is um, is a unique one and, it, and it's not a recipe I would follow again in the sense that it took such a long, natural process when neither of us had an intention of of needing a team or leading a team or having folks. And it kind of, um, we had two well-intentioned people helping each other out and it kept migrating further and further into a, a relationship. Yeah. And the team and, you know, essentially everything from a team aspect grew because we wanted to create a world big enough not to lose the people we liked. Yeah. So, 
you know, what we're going to lead into here in a minute is kind of a more typical process, the, the pros and cons and how to build a team. And I would say we lucked out that we met each other at the right time and, and um, we were both inexperienced, naive, but hardworking and caring. And we went down the path at the same time and we created an amazing partnership. I wouldn't say that's an easy one to replicate where mm. um, since then, you know, you, we've created actively created teams in brokerage business and other business. So we've become more astute and more aware of how to create a team and, and what you're looking for and, and the negatives and positives and, and the, you know, the, the traps not to fall into. Yep. So, you know, where we, where we came from, wasn't at all planned out. I never actually thought I'd have a team. I just had a plan and then it, like you needed different pieces for that. So, you know, if I was to bring it back to what are the benefits of a team? What do you think are the benefits? Why are people looking for teams and why are people looking to create a team? When I think about what I was looking for as a young realtor, I was looking for stability. I was looking for structure. I was looking for leads, truthfully, and just a way to survive and thinking about it. When you look at other people around you and they're, they're succeeding at a high level, it's enticing. Mm -hmm. And so I was very naive in what I was looking for. And I, I reflect often on the evolution of our partnership. It's so interesting to me. Your eldest son is nine years old today. Yeah. I remember it was a trip that you took with a newborn baby and your wife yeah. to Australia. And I covered your business for you. Right. And you were gone for a good long time. Long time. And that was really that took our partnership to the next level because I think it allowed one of the hurdles with with running a team is letting go of control. Yes. And so one of the things that taught us early in our process was trust, that we had to trust each other. You had to trust that I was going to, you know, care and support your your business. And I remember in reflection that we didn't really do a ton of due diligence. Due diligence. <laughs> we didn't, you know, you're a very organized person. So you had lots of notes and mm -hmm. client files. That was back in the day when we had a client file for every client. So I can remember having a big stack of client files and things yep. that I was actively managing. And we each just had blind trust in one another. There was no part of me that accepted that opportunity thinking about what it was going to give me. Mm -hmm. That wasn't my mindset when I was doing it. I thought, what a cool opportunity this is going to be because I'm getting access to transactions that I wouldn't otherwise see or be involved in. So I really thought about it from an experience perspective. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, I think just instinctually, I agreed to it because you had always been so generous and kind with me. And so that's just, I am the kind of person that, you know, brings my neighbor a cake when they shovel my driveway. Like I just like reciprocating with kindness. It makes me feel good. And so that started our relationship and it opened my eyes to what your business world looked like. And at that stage of your business, I think you had one admin, mm -hmm. full-time or part-time, I can't recall. Might have been part-time. Yeah, I don't remember. But it was very interesting for me to see what it would be like or what it could potentially be like to have a support person to help with transaction management and database management and organizing events. I remember later that year you hosted an event at uh, the Olympic Village. Yeah, the community center. At the community center. And I, I can remember saying to my wife and my mom, I really want to go to this event because I want to... I really want to build a relationship with this person. So I want you to meet Roland. 
And I'll never forget, like, I just, it's so um, firmly implanted in my mind. You know, for me, again, the reason I thought about teams was because I hadn't yet developed that part of my mind where I could visualize where other opportunities were coming from and could come from. And so it just seemed like the most obvious path. Okay. So I kind of want to clarify a few things here. One, as we're talking right now, it's radiating in my brain that really what we're talking about is almost a partnership at the same time that I've created a team. Yes. And I don't think that's natural or easily designable, right? Because it required us both coming in at equal level from different skill sets, different abilities, but there wasn't a natural leader. Like we led in different areas. And so it truly was a partnership, which I think is amazing. I'm so proud to be part of it but I don't think it's the natural way that a team is formed. Mm. So I'd like to put us aside a little bit and for the conversation going forward, talk about teams in the sense of the classic way. Yes. And so talk a little bit about now with our experience of running the brokerage and, you know, dozen plus years in the business. The truth is, I haven't thought of it, but I'm going to say there's less than a dozen teams that I can think of that have been around that I'm aware of from the beginning of our career to now. Mm -hmm. And there's been a plethora of teams that have dissolved and many of them, they never worked. Mm -hmm. So I would ask you right now, if you were, you know, looking to design a team, talk a little bit about how you do that. Yes. And the pros and cons of the team member wanting to join the team and the team leader. Are you ready to build your real estate portfolio? We, we can help. help. We have the experience and lender connections for you to build what you may not have thought was possible. And we offer unbiased advice because we're not a bank that's offering you one mortgage product. We are here for the long run. Exactly. We look at all the options and mix those with your dreams and goals to build a perfect mortgage strategy for your next step. It's easy with our secure technology and also means faster approvals for you. But we're also real people, and we're happy to talk and answer questions anytime. With the Home Happy Team, you get the strength of having a team, and not just at completion. We are with you to help manage your mortgage from now on. Let us start to build your financing plan so your future can start now. Well, one of the things I think I would do differently, so just baseline assumptions of where we are before we're considering building a team. So I'm a solo agent right now with one admin and I want to expand. I want to build a team and the team structure is going to be very much a pyramid structure where I am leading the team. I'm the rainmaker. The first thing I would do is identify who I need and why I need them. Mm -hmm. And so a common trajectory is for a solo agent, I want to be focusing more on the listing business, let's say. And I want to bring on a team member to help support my buyer clients. And so I would be drawing out a business standard manual on Connie Buna's real estate business. And I would be identifying why working with me is unique and different. What are my systems? What are my strategies? What are my standards? By having that template in place, I can then think about when I'm interviewing for the opportunity to work with my team, I can identify the right personality type and potentially the right, I don't, I don't know that necessarily the right sphere that the team member would have necessarily matters, but mm -hmm. all of these things are criteria, but certainly to identify the right candidate that aligns with my goals, aligns with my values as a business owner, and someone that is coachable mm -hmm. 
I would spend a lot of time talking to them about the structure and the dynamic. I think that a lot of people get into team dynamics and they actually don't want to be team members. They want to be partners. Tell me more about that. So they join a team, but they think, you know, one of the questions that we have been asking prospective team members is, how would you feel if you serviced a client and you saw that 50% of the commissions was being given to the lead agent? How would that make you feel? Give me an honest answer. And, you know, if the person's honest answer is, I would feel terrible, it would make me feel frustrated, I would feel resentful, that's not a fit. That's not a team fit. The right team member says and feels and instinctively it's their response. This is, there's no judgment here. It's not a value judgment. It's, it's about alignment and it's about the right fit. The right team member says, I would feel amazing because it would be 50% of something I never would have had if I didn't know you. And that's the kind of person I would be looking for. And I would be looking for a person that sees the bigger picture of opportunities mm -hmm. I would be looking for somebody with an abundance mindset, not somebody that is resentful or, or begrudges a commission split that must come back to the team leader. They're bearing all the costs to run the team, to run the business, to run the admin. And so there's a cost to run that business. And I think that that's also something that I would make sure was really clearly documented mm -hmm. um, in the standards. I, I like transparency. As a business person, I think there is power in being honest with uh, prospective team members and staff about your overhead, about what it costs to run your business. Because it can be confusing mm -hmm. when people just look at gross earnings without taking into consideration what it costs to run a high-level team. Yeah. And later in this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about leverage. And I would say that team member that, you know, kind of failed out of the interview, so to speak, that you just talked about where they felt cheated or they felt resentful of only having 50% of the commission, they're not looking for a team. They're looking for leverage. They're looking for help. And so the cool part is um, there's opportunity and there's availability for both. Yeah. Just thinking about all the teams and, and team conversations we've been part of where, you know, people in the industry that see what we have and, and feel that we can give them some insight or, or sit down with us and they're talking about prospective teams or what their plans are. Yes. And now that I'm sitting here talking with you, I just had a little bit of a reflection. And it's interesting that every team move comes out of fear, mm -hmm. right? So that the team leader is willing to consider taking on more team members because they they have too many things going on and they're probably dropping the ball somewhere. So yes. they're fearing that um, they're not doing the best job that they can. And, you know, many of the new agents naturally are afraid, rightly so, of getting success, of of getting business in the pipeline and getting and getting business done. And so they're coming from fear of like, oh my gosh, what if I don't do a transaction? I should join a team. Yes. And so the problem is, it's funny, it's almost like, you know, if you brought it back to a dating life and if you were, um, if there's only one other person that you, you know, semi were attracted to and you're stuck on an island, well, you likely will connect because you're <laughs> the only two people on the island, right? <laughs> and even though in real life, you were only slightly compatible, right? Yes. And so the team situation is interesting in that sense, because I think most of the failure comes from people doing a huge move, which is essentially starting a new relationship. It's like, mm -hmm. other than my wife and my kids, you're the most powerful relationship in my life. And, you know, before that ends, I'm going to leave real estate. So it's going to be the second most powerful relationship in my life. I wouldn't go casually into that. 
You yes. know, and I know not all of them are as intertwined and, and as strong as ours, but I think a lot of new agents naturally feel that a lead agent has a plethora of business that they somehow are not achieving and not closing. It's almost like, you know, a, a fruit tree and they're not plucking all the fruit off it and it's just shriveling and going going bad. And a team leader thinks, oh, there's, you know, a, a new agent naturally will just appreciate all my insights and 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 that will be value enough. And so just jump on board and and do my random tasks and I'll give you some guidance. And that's a win-win. Yes. And, you know, most of the time, those relationships don't make six months because no mm. one's happy. And I think, it, you know, one of the things that popped up for me as you're describing this is if you're considering taking on a team member, are you considering all of the ways in which you are going to hold yourself and them accountable, including, for example, if part of that commitment is offering them regular coaching and regular check-ins, like that's, that is something that needs to be accounted for. It needs to be scheduled and it needs to be organized. Are you ready to take that on? Is that part of your value proposition? Otherwise, are you, are you just looking for a licensed assistant? So different, right? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because that's probably the saddest part when you see it happening, where you see two people fall apart or a team fall apart that could have worked. Mm -hmm. And I think the, you know, the team leader didn't ask themselves, am I a good leader? Mm -hmm. What are my natural strengths and where am I, you know, naturally weak at? And then focusing on, on solving that, because I think a lot of failure comes from, you know, failing to plan, so yes. to speak, and setting the time aside to make sure that, you know, you're, you're checking in and, you know, like we call it the 30, 60, 90, there's before we sign on the dotted line that we're getting into relationship with another team member. We've clearly outlined that at the end of 30 days, this is, you know, what it needs to look like. We need to be doing this for you. You need to be doing this for us. Here are the results that we need to be seeing. Yes. And are we both in agreement that if this isn't, you know, at least an eight, nine out of 10, we've got issues. Like we're probably not yeah. the right combination. And so it's interesting. I think teams are incredible where there's so much opportunity, but it's almost like people are rushing into, into it and then just assume it's going to work out. Yes. Well, it speaks for me to the standards, okay. right? It speaks to taking the time to, and frankly, don't reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. Okay. There are great templates for team building and for, you know, team standards that you can use as a template and then customize for your own business. But thinking about, you know, engaging in that new relationship, bringing a new individual into your world, they're an extension of you and a representation of your business. What are you committed to doing to ensure that they are successfully onboarded and successfully coached to a place that they are reflecting your standards to the highest level. If you don't have standards, it's really, really hard for them to understand what the expectations are. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a suit and tie business owner and there are lots of realtors that that's their persona mm -hmm. and you have a team member that's Lululemons, that might be incongruent with, with the image you are trying to portray. Mm -hmm. And so really like, being transparent and direct about those standards and then building out a roadmap on metrics and, you know, clearly coaching to the standard, you know, by 30 days, here's what I expect that you are capable of doing. By 60 days, you're capable of doing these extra tasks. And by 90 days, you're running at full steam and real transparency that if you're not 
at 90 days meeting expectations, then we already have an agreement in place that we're not in alignment. Mm -hmm. So that that conversation doesn't feel like a bomb. It doesn't feel like a, the rug got pulled out from underneath me breakup conversation. It's like, you know what, Mary, like we gave it a good try and mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. And then you don't sabotage a relationship. Sometimes it's a matter of time. I, I know f- when I think about the growth of our team, some team members, super experienced realtors, I never would have thought would be even interested in having conversations with us on the team level. And they're just, it's a, it's a time and a place. We just got to a place in their career and ours where, where that overlap was like a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. And now we have a dynamic where we can offer them a lot of value. You know, it's different for each team member. It's not a one size fit all. Yeah, no. And, and one of the things you mentioned there that really resonates with me is, again, it comes to fear. Like a lot of people are looking at the other person to solve something for them without having poured into that person's cup. Yes. So sometimes, you know, if I was being stereotypical, the new agent is is afraid of not having business. So they're just looking for someone to give them leads. And the the team leader is uh, wants some extra help. But the conversation they haven't had is, you know, what happens when everything goes well five months down the road? Does that team member actually truly want to see their name on a you know bus, on a bus bench, on a billboard? And that's their passion, and which is amazing. But likely that's not the recipe for a great team relationship. Yeah. And the team leader, like we've seen before, is, you know, do they have uh, the bankroll for six months? Because it's not going to turn over in 30 days where that, you know, the, the team member is going to pay for themselves or the mm-hmm. admin. And so we have seen, you know, the, the potential of good partnerships But again, the lack of planning, the lack of clarity, and again, it comes down to things being written down because you can even talk about it, but people hear things differently. And so the documented agreement is so integral to make sure that, you know, you're both seeing the same thing and talking about the same thing. That's a really, really good point. So let's, let's spend some time to talk about the skeletal structure of a good team agreement. What does that look like? What do you cover? So first and foremost, I think it's, you need to identify what are the tasks of each person? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the team going to provide? And that is, you know, our team, we're so heavy and powerful on the support that we provide our team members. We have amazing client events, marketing systems, technology, and a backend that is second to none. And so we love getting in business with team members that have a solid team and they just don't want to run their own admin. They don't want to run their own database and do their own mailings and everything. And they just love doing real estate. And so for a fair fee, we're able to um, do all that for them with our existing system and they become far more uh, streamlined Mm -hmm. and they are rejuvenated. They get time back. And so really our team value is, is we make you better. We get more out of your existing database and we show you how you can improve your business. I'd say, you know, 20 to 50% a year. So clearly on the team agreement, we're clearly identifying the value proposition. Here are all the things you have access to. Here's what the support system looks like. Here are the accountability targets. Would you say it's important on that team agreement for the team leader to set targets for the team member? Is that a component of it? Yeah, I mean, the 30, 60, 90 that we offer is not so much targets where you're going to have to hit this number of transactions. It's more you're going to have done all these things to understand how we operate. And you're going to, um, you know, kind of really understand what's available. And so, and equally for other teams, perhaps, and classically maybe more so, Teams were viewed as a lead source. 
Yes. Right? And so uh, perhaps a more traditional team agreement would say that the team leader is going to provide a certain amount of leads to the team member and the team member in exchange is going to do a certain amount of lead gen to yes. cultivate those leads. That's not us, yeah. but regardless. But that could be a model. That could definitely that, that be a model. That is probably the most popular model. Yeah. I think we're, we're more unique. It just needs to be documented. Yes. Right? Because often if that is documented, I think it avoids low level relationships from establishing because they're like, you know what? I don't want to sit on the phones for six hours a day. Because the truth is, if you were willing to do that and you've been a realtor for like a year, why aren't you doing it already? Right? Yeah. Like that habit would probably help you be a great sole agent. Well, I would suggest that potentially the team member sees the lead agent as having access to, I know one of the things that new agents can struggle with is who the heck do I call? And so there is, I think, a value proposition to be said for the structure that a, that a team leader might give. So if lead generation is a component of that team agreement, perhaps the team leader is providing the, the team agent with a source for the phone call, a mm -hmm. list, a, you know, a directory of some sort and some scripts and a reason to make the phone call. That's another huge value proposition of a team, right? It's the leverage piece around what you can have conversations about. You know, that's something that for me, when I think about the value we offer to a team member, it's like, you know, we're selling two or three properties a week. That's a very exciting story to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so there's always something to talk about in terms of our team's actual transactional business that help a team agent with those conversations. What about expenses? Is that something that's outlined on a team agreement? Yeah, definitely. I think we certainly um, make our team members aware of what our budget looks like. And so where the money is going that they're paying back into the team. And what the team member is responsible for paying for themselves. Definitely. Our goal now, I think we've done a pretty good job on our team agreement that you couldn't come up with a question that we haven't addressed or haven't discussed. Mm. And if there is, then we put it in the team agreement. Yeah. We go so far as to build in an exit strategy on our team agreement. So what it looks like at any time, if you know you decide that you want to go and, and be it you know, six months, six years, hopefully not six months, that somehow would be a failure yes. all around, but what that looks like. And so again, we come, and everyone's different, but we, you know, we come from a giving win-win relationship. So our exit strategy is built around not fighting over the clients, but um, making sure that if a client goes in a different direction than we feel you know, that they should, yeah. that the client gets the service from that person and there's a continuity of, of service. Mm -hmm. So it's really focused on a win-win. I want to bring it back a little bit to how do you go about vetting a potential team member? Like, yeah. What's your interview process and you know, what do you think is best practice? Yeah, uh, awesome question. So I have taken a course offered by Keller Williams called Career Visioning. I've done it probably three times. Mm -hmm. I could do it 10 more. It's so, so, so powerful. And the course really centers around hiring and how to find the right fit and how to follow a system and a roadmap to make sure that you're asking the right questions. And like anything, you know, building your bench, as, as they'll say, is a skill. And it's something that needs to be worked on and practiced. And so thinking about, you know, when you have a successful interview with somebody, one of the primary things that you need to be aware of is, are you giving everybody an equal playing field? 
So are you going into the interview with no questions prepared, just rando, so that you can just wing it and go based on gut instinct? Experience tells me that that's probably the worst thing you can do. That's my natural default tendency. And I've proven to myself time and time and time again that that's not the best way to hire. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've identified as my blind spot when it comes to hiring is I have a soft spot for people. I like people and I want to like people. You know, that default to truth personality behavior, like it's real. And so as a result, I feel sometimes if I have great rapport with somebody at the onset, that can really cloud my judgment. And so what career visioning has taught me is to follow a very standard path of questions so that when we're evaluating candidates, it's apples to apples. We've asked these candidates the same questions. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, of course, it's very natural to when you're hearing the response for you to have a reaction and mm -hmm. potentially you're taking notes for yourself. But I'm working on maintaining neutrality through that process and doing it more frequently. And I think that that for me is one of the more important evolutions in my life as a team leader is moving away from just using gut instincts and not having a real standard or system around the interview process to really diving in and following. Like every single time we've made an amazing hire, when we reflect, we're like, oh, actually, like we followed the model really, mm -hmm. really well with that. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm going to give you a shout out where even as little as three years ago, if you were interviewing someone and someone said, yeah, I'm a band member, you would have gone off <laughs> cue and would have been like, amazing. I'm a band, you know, oh, like yeah. love band, love music. And so. <laughs> High eye. High eye here on the disc. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> and now I would say sometimes, um, you know, we finish an interview and afterwards I'm like, I can't read you. Did you, you were polite, but like, are you excited? Did you like them? And you're like, yeah, I love them. But like, I couldn't tell because you went through the whole process. Yes. So I'm going to correct you in one thing where you said every single one of our hires were, were based this way. I'm going to disagree with that. That's I'm going to say that this is the best way of getting the best use of your time and replicating. Think of it like a recipe. If you follow all these questions, if you give everyone the same opportunity and you're building out a bench in a way that you know you follow the same steps, you're pretty sure to get the same end product. Once in a while, you luck out. Like we found an amazing um, business manager, Tamara. I think what we found her by someone. My father-in-law played high school football with her uncle. It was and she needed so, some work. And she needed work. It was yeah. so random. You know, even early on in that relationship, when we had her in the wrong role, yep. I didn't think anything amazing. Yep. And now I would say, you know, it's one of the most integral people in our business. Yes. And so it does happen. But that isn't replicatable, that isn't sustainable, and it's not a good investment of your time. Mm -hmm. So following the process you just, just described is um, a really great way of, of screening people and making sure you're getting the right person for the role. Totally, yes. And then I would also, you know, you got to be honest with yourself on how your team operates. So if you're a really, you know, interpersonal team where you're going on retreats together and like you want to meet the other people's partners, you know, you may want to figure out, is that the right, uh, you know, like more about them. And really their track record of success is an area where I think a lot of people are failing, not looking into it. If you're looking to, you know, get a financial control or someone that offers stability into your business and, and you really look at their track record of success and they've been switching a job every, every year and a half, even if they give you the best interview, 
you really got to dig into the history. Like the history doesn't represent what they're saying and where they're looking to go. Yes. So we've talked about partnership. We've talked about teams. I want to bring it back a little bit and talk about leverage where you were talking about that person, that theoretical person who you're sitting down to see if they're a fit for your team. But when you ask them, how would you feel if, um, you know, you did a job and you only got half the commission and they felt cheated and they felt it wasn't the right fit? You know, they're looking for leverage. Yes. And so if you're someone that needs more hands, more help, what's your advice? How would you look at yourself now if you wanted to stay as a sole realtor, but you're overwhelmed and you need help? What are the options available? One thing I would think about is just having key partners. So not a formal business partnership, but just a key partnership to say, and, you know, people need to get paid fairly. So, you know, might look like giving the lion's share of the commission to the primary person that's going to be actually taking the transaction from A to Z. But otherwise, you would never would have serviced that transaction. Mm -hmm. You never would have been able to service that client. So taking a real look at what it is in your business that you need and thinking about it from that perspective. Another thing that I think lots of realtors are looking for is coverage. Mm -hmm. You know, my best advice is pay people for their time. If you have another professional and you're asking them, for example, to cover you while you're on a vacation in Hawaii for two weeks, pay them. Yeah. Nobody wants to do that work for free. It's unreasonable to expect that you can totally disconnect and not compensate somebody for that work. I hear lots of people talk about, oh, we'll just, you know, I'll do it for you and you'll do it for me. I just don't think it works. Mm. I think that creates um, a situation of resentment. And I think the best case scenario is, you know, you want to cover my business for two weeks. I'm going to give you X number of dollars to do that work, whether we transact or not. And if we transact, I'm also going to give you a percentage of the transaction. And I think it creates a win-win scenario. And I think that that could be an amazing opportunity of leverage so that you can have a balance. You can take the holiday that you want. What are some of the failures with leverage that people are falling down on? Um, I think not having open and direct conversation, like not really going into the details. What about you? Yeah, I think you brought up a really good point, which isn't, I I would say, automatically the average in the industry where someone covers you and, and they're compensated. I think most people are still of the mindset where I'll do it for you, you do it for me. But we've seen that that rarely works with the long term view. Another failure, I think, is not having the the right resources, wanting it too early. You know, so an agent that goes from no productivity to 12 deals a year in, you know, let's say the first 10 months, they're they're running off their feet, yes. right? But I would say that they have to build far more muscles themselves and work on themselves versus looking for someone to solve their time problem. Okay. And so an independent realtor, unless you're doing, you know, 30 transactions with a goal of growing, or, you know, 20 to 30 transactions and you want to get time back, you don't need support. You need time management. You need to take care of yourself and figure out how to produce at a higher level. Because the problem is it's not like hiring an admin is automatically going to work right out of the gate. Like there's a lot of training involved. There's a lot of, um, you know, give and take. There's resources involved in order for fair compensation. And then there's just like weird life that happens. You might have an amazing partner or like an admin a team, um, you know, an employee, and they decide to move to Yellowknife, right? And you already started visualizing what your life was going to look like two, three years down the road with them. And so life does happen and you need to, um, you know, make sure that you've got the finances for it and, and understand that it can change. And then the final mistake or the opportunity for improvement that I see with a lot of 
team leaders or independent realtors that hire a great assistant is they don't reapply that time that they save yes. into growing their business. So I've seen you know, a realtor that does 30 transactions, 30, 40 transactions a year, felt like they were run off their feet, they were unhappy. And then they get a great admin that's supporting them, that's earning, you know, in my opinion, the money they're paying. And a year down the road, like that realtor uh, fires them because they feel they're losing money because they didn't take that time that was um, mm. given back to them and reapply it on their top 20%. They didn't do more lead gen. They didn't do more, apply themselves on relationship building. And they also didn't actively take time off to yeah. get rejuvenated. They yep. kind of just watched more Netflix and spent more time wasting time. Yes, and powerful. Yeah. So in summary, what's one book you, or one podcast or one other than our podcast, obviously, <laughs> that you might recommend to somebody if they really want to take this exploration of building teams to the next level? The one thing podcast I really like that, again, brings it down to what's one thing that's if mm -hmm. you fixed in your business, if you worked on would make a huge impact. Yeah. What about you? I think really like the millionaire real estate agent following that model and, and reviewing that model, it's as much as we've tried to rail against it, every single time we, we actually go back and reference, we're like, oh, right. It's been done before properly. Makes sense. So really those, I think those two nuggets are invaluable. Yeah, my last one I'm gonna throw in there, it's I'm listening more and more to John Maxwell and I would say everything with him comes down to um, being a better leader, yeah. right? Like he's written a hundred books, but it really comes down to what can you do to better yourself? And as a result, yeah. that has an impact. Uh, and one book that I've read recently, and I'm it's on my list to read again this year, is a book called Multipliers, mm. which is also a book about leadership and about getting the best out of the people around you. Awesome. There you go. Hope you enjoyed. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.